1: Welcome, everyone, to Rocket Nation Podcast. Uh, this is season three, episode seven of Dive Cuts. I am your host, Sam Snelling. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, my good friend, uh, co host. He is uh, a big, big Marcetus Leach fan, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, we are actually close to real basketball, uh, games that matter. Um, in like a technical sense uh i don't know if incarnate word should really count but they're on the schedule so we'll just go with that
1: i am excited to actually get to see basketball um <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I i mean friday night uh was fine watching on stat broadcast uh, i mean i had other things kind of going on so like but i was just kind of checking in um And that was weird. That was uh, not how I like to observe the basketball games. Um, So I'm actually looking forward. uh, I don't know how much time we need to really spend on, like, Incarnate Word themselves. Uh, We were kind of talking off air, and and I think we kind of both agree that the uh, chances of Central Missouri against Incarnate Word would probably be pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're gonna play a, uh, I think a sanctioned event where D two Bethune Cookman is in the field, and it might go poorly for, uh, it might go poorly for them. So it's, you know, when you're past three forty in Kim you know, everyone knows what what this is. It's a buy game, and uh, a willing sacrifice for money.
1: Yeah, it basically, sort of look at it like. You know, Martin maybe uh, uh, helping out an old buddy. Um, the uh, the coach at Incarnate Word is a, a former Purdue Boilermaker. Uh, he was a player when Konzo was an assistant. Um, so they know each other, and it sort of feels like there's a, a little bit of a theme uh, with with Missouri is scheduling at least one uh, former Boilermaker. Uh, and it, he's sort of checked that box off uh, this year with with coach Cunningham and and the Incarnate Word what's their mascot the cardinals is it i thought that yep. was going to be it cuz what's funny is is yeah i i wrote the preview that feels like forever ago i was just sort of taking a quick look um and l- the crazy thing about Incarnate Word is they came into uh division 1 kind of kind of doing great like they First, their first year they're 21 and six Then they went 18 and 11 and 17 and 12 and they were contending um you know for uh uh what what conference are they in southland are they in the Southland? yep they're in the south yep yeah, there's the southland they were uh contending and then things just sort of went downhill um including a uh, six and 25 season a year ago um they're 346th in ken palm uh, which is pretty impressive when you look at the fact that uh, they're <laughs> collectively uh, 351 in defense and 351 in offense. Uh, man, they're 331 right. right now in offense, sir. Is
0: that don't what it is? Don't shortchange them spots. They need every oh. single one of them.
1: Their yeah, their adjusted offensive efficiency is 92.3. Um, so. Oof. So, Ken Pomeroy is predicting a uh, rather lopsided win, uh, one that actually looks pretty similar to the score uh, that Missouri uh, had over Central Missouri. So, what takeaways are you going to get from uh, ye old Cardinal as they come in?
0: Make sure everybody uh, is healthy and has all their limbs and that they work properly um, and that... uh you know, that you kind of get to, you know, hit the benchmarks you want to hit in terms of getting guys' minutes, especially back of the rotation guys as you're trying to carve out roles uh, for them. These are kind of games where, you know, I, I'm more interested in, you know, how the freshmen look and sort of, are they getting settled? Um, are they doing a good job just being fundamentally sound defensively? You know, are they doing a good job getting their feet wet? You know, there's, there's really not, a lot that you're trying to take away from this, you know, even schematically because you're going to keep things pretty bland, I think. You might try some different things with different guys on the floor, but I really don't think you're going to, you know, get too adventurous here. This is really just another, you know, dress rehearsal, you know, by any other name. So, that that's really what I'm looking forward to Is just do they come out to the starters and the and you know, the six or seven guys that we've talked about do they make quick work of this team? Or do they get into a position where Konzo can really start tinkering? And when that happens, how quickly do fans freak out when there are, you know, scoring droughts or turnovers? When unfamiliar groups are playing together, you know yeah. that that's really what you're looking for here: is fast start, get into your bench, um, give yourself a cushion so there's some w- so there so you can make some mistakes, so you can try some different things. That's really kind of the global thing I look at.
1: Yeah, if they go in like a five minute scoring drought and you know the uh, the guys on the floor like you know, like Pinson and Rio and uh, and Kobe and Trey and like Mitchell Smith, like maybe don't freak out. Um <laughs> like if if that happens with like Mark and Drew Smith and you know Tillman and Pickett and Watson, those guys then you might be a little concerned. Uh, but overall, like this is, this is a exhibition game number two that counts, um, in the win column. So at least there's that, at least it's going to count in the win column. Um, you got a score prediction. I don't really want to waste much time talking about these guys.
0: (laughs) I think it's, you know, I think it'll settle into the mid twenties, whatever the margin is, you know, I don't, I don't think Martin's the kind of guy who's going to, you know, keep the starters in for an extended period more than he needs to. You know, I don't get the sense that You know, if it gets into the 30s or 40s, maybe it's because they're just shooting the lights out and it's a good night, you know, where three-pointers are dropping at right. a little bit higher clip than they normally do. But I think if, you know, I'd like to see him get into the low 70s again for possessions, I'd like to see him maybe get to the 80-point marker again because then you're at, you know, a little bit north of 1.1 points per possession at that point you know keep the margin at about 25 if, it, if they do what they did against you know central missouri but just a little bit more consistent in terms of the scoring runs throughout the game then i think i'm fine that's really what i'm looking forward to is tempo up a little bit is the efficiency more consistent and do they get out healthy
1: i'd like to see the overall the little bit better shooting from three-point range but you know i think with a team like that if you're attacking the rim. Um yeah. And you really
0: should this and you really should play downhill this game against them. They're not I mean, they're not good defensively overall, but they're really bad around the rim, they're undersized. If you're looking to get this is a game where I would really just pound the ball inside quickly to Tillman and let him you know, reestablish some confidence. You know, this is the kind of game where I think you play off him a little bit more and let him sort of get some good vibes back after a little bit of an up and down game. So I'd play through him early, if shots are dropping, they maybe kind of shift the focus outside. But I want to get downhill and get to the rim pretty early and just establish that identity.
1: Yeah, more than anything, I think I'm like I'm curious to see kind of like how guys look, um, you know, how things look with, you know, with the flow of the offense, how you know how Kobe Brown and how Trey Jackson, how Mario McKinney uh, all fit, how Drew Smith looks. I'm looking forward to watching Drew Smith play um you know and and just to kind of see mark smith uh you know back and and healthy and on the floor again i think is is going to be good um so they'll they'll win i i'm i'm missouri put up 80 against central missouri and didn't shoot the ball well uh from deep so i'll say they they improve slightly um and get up in like the the high 80s i'm gonna say they hit 88 miles an hour um And, uh, yeah, we'll say 88 to, to, you know, 58. How's that? Yeah, it works. But game number two in the week uh, should at least more prepare them for what they're going to face the following week when they they go on the road to Xavier with Northern Kentucky. Uh, The Norse, right? That's who? Yep.
0: That's who it is. You're, You're defending Horizon League champion tournament champions ncaa tournament team a year ago uh
1: they hired a new coach because uh john Brannon took the job at cincinnati which mick cronin vacated to take the job at ucla uh they hired darren horn who a uh, longtime sec basketball fans will remember was the head coach at south carolina and had a bit of a disastrous run there but uh you think that's a good hire and i agree with you um i think we were kind of talking about this before we came on. I tend to think that if you ranked like how difficult it is to win at every school in the sec, like South Carolina would probably be last. Like I think it is more difficult to win there than it is at Ole Miss or Mississippi state or Vanderbilt. Um, I just think that's a really, really tough job. and uh, and. For some reason, Darren Horn thought he could do it after a pretty good run at Western Kentucky, and he failed.
0: Yeah, and I think he did, you know, if you're also an SC basketball fan, you probably recognize him from being on TV broadcasts. Uh, he did TV broadcasting for three years, then landed on Shaka Smart Staff, and then did four years uh, in Austin. So he's, I, I think he sort of did, you know, what a lot of coaches don't do, which is he sort of took three years to go around, watch a lot of different, you know, systems, watch a lot of different programs and then went and worked for a guy who had a very defined style and and system. And I think was able, that was outside of what Horn used to do at Western Kentucky. So I think he's sort of in a position now where he's learned some lessons. He's, you know, seen some diverse styles and he can sort of bring that to bear here. Um, And I just look at Northern Kentucky and, It's an interesting job. You know, it sits just across the river, coincidentally enough, from Cincinnati uh, in kind of the suburban side of of the Kentucky border there in Highland Heights. Uh, So you can dip a little bit into Ohio. You can get up into Indiana a little bit. And you can also kind of work back toward Louisville. And uh, Darren Horn is also a Western Kentucky alum. So he kind of knows the coaches in this state. So he's got a nice little kind of recruiting niche to work. And the Horizon League kind of works that upper... Rust Belt part of the Midwest, and so you can get into Michigan if you need to. You can get into Northeast Ohio. So I think it's a nice little job for him to sort of, you know, dip his toe back into the water, and he gets a pretty good roster. Um, They lose the Conference Player of the Year off their roster in the Horizon League. Uh, I believe McDonald is his last name. I pull up my notes right now. They just make – hey, I just want to make sure that I'm being fully here. Uh, (laughs) Drew – all so, about yeah, they the lose accuracy Drew. here, guys. Yeah, but they lose Drew McDonald, um, who is uh, uh, probably the best player in their short history. But they bring back four of their starters, um, three of whom are probably pretty solid offensive guys. Uh, Trevin, Wa- Trevin Faulkner is a 6'4 guard who's apparently a really good defensive stopper for him. But they've got some nice pieces to play with there. Um, depth is going to be a problem. They don't really have a bench right now. And that's probably what's going to be their undoing when they come into Columbia. But a nice step up is what I'm getting at here. You know, they've got a, an experienced coach who's used to working at this kind of program. They've got some guys who I don't think are going to be phased by coming into a building like Mizzou arena. They've been in an NCAA tournament game. And I think that they're going to understand, you know, what challenges there. It just may be a question of, do they, ha- do they have enough kind of, you know, backline pieces to you know make this competitive. So that, that's what I'm interested to see is how does Missouri sort of handle you know, a team that's got some guys who have experienced some success and a coach who's sort of well acclimated to this environment. So I I think that's going to be a really, really nice sort of step up before they take a true road trip to Xavier.
1: Uh, I will actually speak uh, highly of uh, the fans of Northern Kentucky, uh, or at least those that I have encountered. Um, Not only because uh, of our... uh, (laughs) <laughs> our our friend from uh, Fort Wayne um but uh Jordan Guy's dad uh, is a uh, NKU fan I believe Jordan's sister went there if uh, yep. memory serves yep. us off the top of my head that's pretty good right off the top of my head yeah um, that's pretty good <laughs> but uh not just him but I so I wrote about Northern Kentucky in I think August as uh, the schedule came out, and I was like, well, what are we going to do for the next two months? I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll do a slow preview of every team and just sort of quickly talk about them. I made the mistake of not saying Highland Heights, but because I, we do so much recruiting stuff that I typed Hamilton Heights, which is a prep school in Tennessee. Uh, and I got the like the most polite correction email from an NKU fan. <laughs> he was just like so polite, uh, thanking me for writing about the Norse. Is Norse? Yeah, it like, and he's just like, just one small correction. Uh, so of course I wrote him back. I'm like, oh, I just I totally had recruiting on the brain. I was thinking Hamilton Heights in Tennessee, and uh, I apologize. So I I went and corrected my post to accurately. Say that they are in Highland Heights, Kentucky, um, which you're right is is right across uh, the river from Cincinnati. So um, I'm looking forward to this game because I, you know, I do think that you know maybe they aren't deep, um, but I really like. I got to watch them a little bit. I watched them a few times last year. They're uh, fun. They were a fun group to watch. Yeah, and I I really like watching Jalen Tate play basketball. Like he's just kind of a fun player. Um, I'm trying to think of that. The, the Bigger, kid who's the the shooter uh is it sharp yeah sharp um i mean they, and then they're gonna yeah Tyler sharp is a guy who can absolutely uh fill it up, fill it up from deep and uh is unafraid to <laughs> take those shots he uh he took 228 threes last year which is is a, a fair amount um so that yeah they'll be a fun team and i think it'll it'll pro- provide a challenge i still think this is a game that you know Missouri sh- should be able to win even if they don't play all that well, um, mainly because, like we we're kind of saying, their their depth isn't great. Um, but yeah, it, it should be a much more challenging game. And and this is the thing that I, I have sort of appreciated, and and do appreciate about this uh, current schedule is is even like the the home games that people would kind of consider buy games they're against pretty good teams, uh, Northern Kentucky and Wofford. Uh, are, are both, you know, consistent, um, you know, mid-majors. And even Charleston Southern's had some moments and, um, you know, SIU would be good to play them. I mean, maybe Chicago State isn't great, but um, I like that he's uh, he's filling in the schedule with, um, with good mid-majors and teams that, you know, maybe you're still going to beat them because you're at home and you're, you're a better team. Uh, but they'll put up a fight, and they're not going to come in and afraid.
0: Yeah, and I, I, the one thing I sort of like about Northern Kentucky is they're set aside the offensive stuff. But Jalen Tate's a six six point guard. He's long, you know. He's switchable. You know, Faulkner grades out well defensively. He's a six four, I think one ninety five wing. They've got uh, a combo forward in Dantes Wilson, who's six, seven, 210, who I think is going to be a who's a you know a veteran guy who is, you know, savvy and understands how to play, and he's going to be matched up against your freshman combo forwards. And they have a 6'10 big who's, you know, not really skilled offensively, but he'll lean on Tillman. So you're going to have guys, you're going to have a mid-major that I think, you know, can present some size, can present some length, you know, can present some matchup quirks for you. You know, they've got, you know, two proven scorers and a distributor. You know, there's, they, you know, they just sort of present a good facsimile of what a good, power conference team is going to do and they're going to have a coach who's going to know how to use those guys so it's if you if you're going to you know pick one of the two games to watch pick this one because i think it's got just more applicable sort of takeaways here and i think the bench in this one you're going to see the starters go a little longer i think you're going to see a little bit more of a close approximation of what this team's going to look like on a night in night out basis in january so if you're really looking for that sort of first look at what a finish Product might be Friday is going to be a good, you know, sort of test of what that looks like,
1: and it's a good sort of setup as well because it does get them ready uh, for a really tough road game, um, you know, the following week. So, if you can kind of get your guys some run, get settle in a little bit more with your rotations, um, you know, make sure the guys at the top of the lineup are you know, comfortable and, and acclimated and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you're still able to kind of get, you know, into your nine or 10th guy, um, you know, with some minutes. Then I, I think that kind of prepares you to go into a place like the Cintas center in, uh, in Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, I, I I think the schedule, like the first three games, like you get like a little bit of a bloodletting, uh, you step up the competition, um, but it's still a game that you should win, and uh, you know I think it, it kind of shows that you know like the percent to win for Incarnate Word is like ninety nine point five percent, and that still feels uh, a bit low. <laughs> Got to count and,
0: for the outlier, man. Got to count yeah.
1: for the outlier. Well, I'm thinking more like ninety nine point eight. Um, but yeah, the uh, and then they turn around and it's it's eighty eight percent to win against Northern Kentucky. So yeah, they should win. Um, but, you know, NKU's got some guys that can shoot, and if they get hot, they'll they'll give Missouri some fits, so um, I'm looking forward to basketball, Matt. It's been a long time. I have watched a lot of the NBA uh, in the time that college basketball wrapped up. I love watching the NBA, but there's nothing like having a rooting interest uh, in the game, And uh, and I'm, for those that don't know i i do root for the missouri tigers and i'm looking forward to rooting for them to play basketball um here i guess on wednesday night i keep thinking it's tuesday that they're playing but the every like the uh, champions classic is tuesday which is tomorrow and then missouri starts on wednesday
0: yeah it's always this week is always sort of tough because it's like missouri will play two games but the rest of the sport will kind of still be in slight hibernation mode. I mean, you're going to have the Champions Classic. Florida State will get, you know, we'll have a good SEC and interconference matchup with Florida State-Florida on, you know, this weekend. There'll be some ACC games that are being played the first week of the season, which as a coach would drive me absolutely insane that I get to open up a conf- with a conference game in November. But it, so it's... It's a weird week, like, college basketball is, like, back in name only, but really next week is when things kind of hit their stride. Like, Missouri will probably be one of the – Missouri Xavier will probably be one of the top 10 or 15 games next week. So, that'll be – to me, that'll be, like, when the sport's truly back is when we're, you know, playing good non-conference games every night of the week instead of, you know, four blue bloods on Tuesday and then a lull (laughs) until the weekend. So, which – The SEC also didn't start off like gangbusters this year, um, which makes me sad. So, Florida State plays some good games. Gonzaga's going to Texas A&M, and and man, welcome to College Station, Buzz. Florida's got Florida State and UConn in the first two weeks, so we're going to find out pretty quickly about them. LSU's going to go to VCU. Missouri's going to go to Xavier, and Alabama's going to go to Rhode Island. Those are are pretty much your marquee sec games the first two weeks so uh we're gonna have to wait a little bit for the rest of the conference to sort of catch up with our enthusiasm in terms of the schedule
1: well uh and i'm, I'm sure most of the rest of the league are still you know deeply embedded into football while missouri fans are right now looking for an outlet for their own um <laughs> away from their own football team uh so hopefully missouri basketball will at least be able to uh provide a little bit of a uh, a break from the things that have gone so woefully wrong the last few weeks for Missouri football
0: I don't know they're 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 getting awfully feisty about where Missouri's picked in the preseason polls there's a lot of angst just a general just a general overwhelming feeling of angst in this fan base right now so who knows uh and if things go horribly awry on Friday night I'm not sure if they'll get a reprieve but Let's not talk about that yet.
1: <laughs> uh, I tend to think I think they're going to be okay. Um, I think we're going to start two and zero. Trying to think if you want to go ahead and, and throw out a prediction for this uh, this NKU game.
0: I think they'll, I think it'll be ten to fifteen points will be the margin. I think it'll
1: kempom yeah, got it 64 so a 13-point a win. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, it, it'll it depend, again, kind of on what... I always think you have to sort of account for the fact that Missouri's still going to have a little bit more shooting than they will proven drivers. So they're going to prop... Well, they're going to look to attack the rim more. They're still going to take a lot of threes, and that's still going to create a lot of variance. If they're hitting, I think it'll be the margin could be wider, but I think they're probably gonna. I think it'll float around like nine to ten points most of the night, and then there might be some free throws late. That you know, if NKU's fouling, that kind of set the final margin. I that's sort of what I think they're gonna work anywhere between eight to twelve points most of the night, and then maybe they'll extend the lead late.
1: Yeah, that 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 feels like a, a comfortable margin. I would. I think they're going to best the Ken Pom prediction. Um, I'm just kind of hoping that the offense is able to be uh, a little bit better than what um, than what Ken Palm is projecting. And and obviously, this is probably the um, the optimistic Missouri fan uh, in me saying that. I I still feel some optimism that this offense can be better than what is projected, and if that's the case. And I think uh, they should be able to sort of get past the 1.1 efficiency margin for that game. Um, And if they do that, that should put them close to the 80-point mark. And I think the defense is pretty good. So it wouldn't surprise me if this ended up being like 18 or 19. No, I'm going to say... uh, 16 is the no 17 I'll go 17 17 point win
0: yeah and then they'll get a fun road trip to Xavier next week and that'll that's gonna be a fun one just because Xavier got rolling down the stretch last year Ken Palm loves them you know they've got Xavier's offense at 13th in adjusted efficiency 39th in defensive efficiency coming off a year where they were 102nd in defensive efficiency. I think the offense will be better, but I'm really curious how how much improved the defense is in steel second year. If it's if he can get it back to that sort of you know a little bit reminiscent of the Mac era, then I think they will be fine. But you know, it's still an open question there as to how that team looks defensively because they did not look great in Columbia last year. So
1: no, be no good, and and it really like. Missouri was able to take them out of pretty much everything they wanted to do. And that that was another sort of kind of part of that game that I think went a little overlooked. Um, I mean, Missouri was, was really, really good in that game. Uh, and they, they beat, I mean, cause Xavier wasn't, wasn't bad. Uh, they kind of got hot down the stretch and, uh, and earned their way into the NIT. Um, but Missouri yeah absolutely like dictated the the pace of the game they dictated uh you know the kind of like the so-called point of attack and Jeremiah Tillman uh, people may not remember but that was sort of like uh as as well as we've maybe seen him play i think yeah he ended up with just pulled us up uh 23 points and 10 rebounds uh 7156 and hey in a 68 possession game, so like that's. I mean, Xavier had their opportunities. That Missouri just kind of squeezed the life out of them, and the only thing they could get going was uh, Quentin Gooden made a few shots. That's about it.
0: Yeah, that'll be an interesting one, just because the Sintus center really is a. It's a phenomenal home court advantage for them. I've been to three or four games there, and it's. It's not under. It, it's probably one of the more underrated home courts. I think if you. You know, I think among Big East fans, it's known as a tough place to play, but it's it is it's a perfect facility for a school that size. It's about nine or ten thousand seats. One end is basically just a wall that sound bounces off of, and they put the student section against it and the band there, and that's where your be- that's where the visiting bench is. So it's just a wall <laughs> of noise at that end, and the fans get there early. They're very loud, and they also have bars. They, they've been serving alcohol there for a couple of years, for at least four or five years. And it's all heavy, heavy IPAs with 6.5 ABV counts. So the fans get good and lubed up too. They are, uh, they, they're motivated. They have some propellant behind what they're doing in there. So it's just, it's a really fun place to go watch a game. I'm not sure if it's fun if you're the opposing head coach trying to like communicate calls onto the floor, but it's. It's going to be a good environment, I think, to, to put a team in early and sort of stress test them. So, if worst comes to worst there. We're, they're going to get uh, the screws tightened pretty early on. So, that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Yeah, it'll, it, an early test is is always a good thing um, when you're trying to kind of figure out your team. And uh, and I, it'll be a good test for both teams because I know you know, Xavier is really kind of looking to bounce back um, from what they probably view as a as, uh, you know, more of an outlier to a season than what they're kind of accustomed to there, especially kind of coming off, you know, Chris Mack leaving and they're, you know, the number one seed overall in the NCAA tournament. Um, You know, that program is over like the last 25 or so years has been as good as any in college basketball, you know, outside of, you know, the very truly elite, like, you know, Duke and North Carolina. Um, You know, but I would kind of say they're probably, they've probably been what, a top fifteen level program for for the most of like the last twenty years. And that's that's saying something. Like that's some really good staying power. And I think the uh, the idea is that um, kind of keeping it in house with Travis Steele, which is what they've really kind of done with a lot of their coaching hires, is is going to be able to kind of sustain that uh, that momentum that they've been able to build over that time and, and keep the program where they are. And incidentally I also think, you know, like a lot of SLU fans will um kind of point at Xavier and say like why can't we do that and uh, I, you know i think you got to hit
0: you got to hit five coaching hires that's, in a row
1: that's that's a big part that. of it like the fact that like Xavier has not missed on any of their coaching hires um and and the first one to experience like a hiccup has been steel last year and it's just and it's been pretty incredible
0: and that was and that was already going to be a transition year that was going to be a year where they needed to sort of you know, Chris Mack was going to be facing yeah. a transition year, you know, so it was, it wasn't totally unexpected there, but I'm looking at their recruiting ranking right now in 2020. They have, it says the number seven class in 2020. So that's, so they're, they're rolling a little bit in for the kids that are going to sign this week. 2019, they had a borderline top 25 class. Um, so they're going to bring in, and this is, you know, I think what they do really well—they find kids between like 75 and 150. Kiki Tandy's, you know, going to be a really good combo guard for them, and then they just find really, really kind of physical and assertive wings. You know, Demir Bishop's a top 120 kid. Zach Fremantle's you know, a, a kind of a nice stretch big who's going to be a 6'9 player. Daniel Ramsey uh, slid a little bit in the rankings, but he's also a 6'8, 220 kind of combo forward for them. And then they got a kid that maybe takes a couple of years in Deontay and Miles, but they're just going to have big dudes, physical dudes, and they're tough. Like that's the one thing if you watch Xavier enough is those guys would their rosters are ones that you could envision Consul Martin loving. They're tough. They're physical. They mm-hmm. they will get in your face and they're going to assert themselves. And that was I think was the weirdest thing to watch them last year was they almost seemed passive and docile, like they almost sort of backed up when Missouri threw punches, you know, at them. And that was a really weird thing to see because that's not what you normally get from a Xavier roster. So if they can rediscover a little bit of that toughness that they play with, that's going to be a really tough game for them because they've got, you know, four really nice returners in Najee, Marshall, Paul Scruggs, Quentin Gooden, Tyreek Jones. So I'm really excited about this game. This feels like, set aside, you know, the road test, this feels like two programs whose cultures are really sort of similar when they're at their peak. They're going to be tough, defensive-minded first, smart offensively, and they're going to get after you. So I'm excited to see that kind of, just those two styles sort of match up.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think, like, overall, Missouri's going to start with a little bit of a a questionable matchup. Um, But Game 2 and Game 3, I mean, obviously, we think they should win against uh, Northern Kentucky and win you know, fairly easily. Um, but I really like the way the schedule sets up. I, th- I think you get the bloodletting in game one. Um, you know, you leave yourself a lot of margin for error uh, against a team like Incarnate Word. Uh, that margin of error shrinks in game two. And then you go on the road and you have zero margin of error against a really, really good team. Um, it also gives you a really big opportunity to put a huge statement early on in your season. Um and really for both for both Xavier and Missouri. And I think like that's what makes uh college basketball a lot of fun is when you get these kind of exciting early season matchups against against teams that I think are really trying to reestablish themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think we sort of mentioned this off air, like we love NBA basketball, but there are and we love just the sort of style of play and you know, schematically what you see there. It's just cleaner, it's you know, it's the highest level of athletes in the world doing it, but it, the one thing that you know, makes college basketball great is you know, there is, there is no taking off the second night of a back-to-back. There is no, oh, first week we're feeling things out. Missouri's going to have a quad one win opportunity a week into the season, 6 days into the season. And if you go into Xavier and you get a win, that's going to be one you can tack up in March to the committee and say, "Look, we went into a historically tough place to play against probably a top 30 team and we came out with a win." You know, that's something that it gives you an opportunity and it gives you some wiggle room during a tough stretch of the schedule like January, where you're going to have, you know, you're going to be facing teams eight games in January against, you know, usually an average team in the top 40. So if you can give yourself a little bit of insurance early, you know, it helps. So that I think that's the one thing that excites me about this time of year is we're going to be two weeks into the schedule and there are going to be games that matter come March. And there is, you know, the time to figure things out can be, you know, as short or as long as you want it to be with the schedule. But Missouri's put a game out there early where they're going to have an opportunity to to help themselves a couple months from now. So that's, that's also exciting.
1: It is. And we are uh, close. So game number one is in, uh, so this is Monday night. It is about nine o'clock. Uh, we will have this game wrapped up in roughly 48 hours. Um, but I think that's all we probably should talk about. We've got a Tuesday night game uh, for for Xavier next week. Um, Matt, I don't know exactly when we should record. <laughs> We've usually gone Wednesdays or Thursdays. Yeah, but with the football season, like I don't want to, I don't want to kind of jump onto uh, right where where Nate's podcast is. So we might have to go a little bit early, at least earlier in the season. Um, but that being said uh if you have an opinion on how quickly you would like another episode of dive cuts uh hop on twitter and let me know you can follow matt uh at matt j harris 85 right i would why do i forget that now
0: i don't know i don't know i was gonna say you could just tell mitch annoy mitch
1: yeah send all your complaints to mitch tweet tweet at mitch um but yeah you can follow matt you can follow me on twitter we do tweet things from time to time uh, make sure you are subscribed. If you are subscribed, uh, go ahead and hop on the old review machine and leave us a five-star review because Matt's ego is fragile and he needs the, uh, the endorsements. Um, tell us what you like about the podcast and uh, we will be back very soon um, at some point early next week with another episode of Dive Cuts. And until then...